Hello everybody, it is the time of year to begin registering for one or two of my slow groups that begin in July. My slow groups are these special groups where I focus on one topic and we deeply unpack it over the course of six months. So these are highly nuanced, deep dive, advanced groups. These are excellent for those of you who have taken my six week course or who just want to focus on one particular topic through a somatic and trauma-informed lens. The two that are opening up in July, or will begin in July, are my embodied parenting group and my embodied nutrition group. The embodied parenting group is just like it sounds, learning how to parent from your body, learning how to ground yourself in your parenting so you're not parenting from a reactive triggered place, but from a much more conscious place so you can actually find joy in your parenting instead of it being a total hellscape, like some of you have told me it is, and I've experienced it myself. The other group is an embodied nutrition group. This has been requested for years. For the past four years after students complete my course, they say, can you please do a course on nutrition and make it longer than six weeks? So finally, I can say, yes, you can, and I can, and I did. It is a six-month unpacking of the intersection between trauma nutrition, and somatics. How do we recover from stress and trauma via food? How do we relate to food as a being and not just some object on the plate? What's the biochemistry of food? Why is it not the best for my blood sugar to have toast, but lentils are just fine if they're both carbohydrates? All of this and more will be unpacked in this six-month group. To register for these groups, please go to my website, holisticlifenavigation.com, and click Groups or you can click the link in the episode details below. Registration closes on June 1st. It is only open through May because we need the month of June to prepare everybody for July. I'm looking forward to this deep dive with you all. I'll see you there. You are listening to the Holistic Life Navigation Podcast. I am your host, Luis Mojica. I'm a holistic therapist, and my goal is to teach people how to find safety in themselves. I use nutrition, herbalism, self-inquiry, and somatic therapy to heal the body and mind of trauma. I have learned that each and every one of us has the ability to heal, to love, and to access all of the answers we're looking for. To do this, we first need to learn how to listen to our bodies and understand our minds. Let us begin. So this first episode is really an introduction to me and my work. I didn't discover this work in one place. I didn't go to school to learn how to do holistic life navigation. It's something that I just accidentally stumbled upon while I was trying to heal myself from my own complex PTSD, from my own childhood trauma from my own developmental behaviors and pains. And what's interesting is I found this work to just be so effective for healing myself that I just wanted to offer it to anyone I met. And so that's what I did. I went to school for psychology. I dropped out. I studied for about two years. And I started working in grocery stores I started working in gas stations. 
I worked at a macaroni and cheese shack in Brooklyn, New York. I was a real estate agent. I worked in housekeeping. I worked at a yoga center. I, I worked everywhere. Those those uh, eight years or so, I just did anything, anywhere for money. And for my personal enrichment, my personal anthropology to really learn who are we? What do we want? What do we need? How do we heal? It was a personal expedition. And I credit those years more than any official training that I've had since. So what do I do? I'm a holistic therapist. What does that mean? It means I've been trained in a bunch of modalities that help me assess and heal someone's body holistically, using the whole of the person, all naturally, often without any supplementation, through nutrition, through movement, through self-reflection, a self-sustainable healing that I don't do for you, but I do with you. And together, you and I learn your body, your mind, your behaviors. And through that personal journey that I'm just guiding you on, you actually learn how to heal yourself, how to rescue yourself from stress, how to rescue yourself from trauma, how to rescue yourself from illness, certain behavioral patterns. That's the beauty of this work. So I find that that result is, is what is so long-lasting and effective because as helpful as I can be, you don't need me anymore. You may call upon me sometimes for reflection, but you have this wisdom that you've now developed and discovered, and that is yours for life. The kind of confidence and safety and joy that comes from knowing that you can be your own healer is invaluable. And it's my favorite part of my job to watch people transition into that role for themselves. So what am I trained in? How do I know what I'm doing? Well, I'm trained in holistic nutritional counseling. I'm trained in herbalism. I'm trained in life coaching. And I'm trained in somatic experiencing therapy. That's all great. And I love those tools because they give me language but my real training is my own intuitive sense and my own experience in trauma, from being traumatized, from healing my own trauma. And those many years I spent working in all these strange jobs, learning, watching, observing, witnessing, studying people. I can't imagine a better education. It's, it's like uh, those old school apprenticeships where you work with a master. Well, the people, each individual person I came across in my journey was that master. And so I want to tell you a little bit about that. What was interesting for me, here, this 17-year-old kid working at a health food store, healing his whole body, you know, physically, and uh, I should say outwardly and internally. So people were seeing the shifts. And they were coming to me because they saw my own transformation. 
And this was before, you know, Facebook or even cell phones. I think maybe I had a flip phone or something. The word just spread through town. There's this guy at the health food store. And that's who I became. <laughs> I became the guy at the health food store. And grown men, grown women would come in and ask me for advice about simple things at first. Like, I want to lose 20 pounds. Or I have high cholesterol. Or I have high blood pressure. Or look at this rash. Now, this is where the intuitive piece came in. Every person I stood before and talked to, just about their physical symptoms or their biological symptoms, there was this felt experience, this, this sensation in my body about their emotional character, about their emotional experiences. I didn't even have the word trauma in my vocabulary then, but I was sensing something happened to you and this was the result. This is not the cause of your problems. And so I started just asking, how does that feel? Or what are the emotions around this? And over time, I was, I was noticing, wow, all the people with rashes have this pattern. All the people with heart issues have this pattern. People with stomach problems have this pattern. And I started to kind of decode this very early on, this somatic psychology that I didn't know I was doing, but understanding that the body was expressing through symptoms, signals, illnesses, what the mind had repressed or forgotten. And that was huge. I didn't have the words for it, remember, but I felt it. So that's where I led myself from with people for the next decade almost. I think one of my favorite jobs was in this very, very, very low-income neighborhood. Um, I worked at a corner store. It was a gas station. I worked second shift, so 3 p.m. to 11 p.m. So I got this huge variation in the crowd, uh, the, the customers that came in. I had the 9 to fivers who were just getting off of work, getting their gas, grabbing some drinks, going home. I had the people who were clubbing, coming in around like 9 or 10 in their stilettos, uh, already drunk. <laughs> I had, you know, the kids who were running away from home. I had uh, violent uh, emergencies. You know, you name it. It was such a strange, um, such a beautiful, I wouldn't even say strange, variation of the human experience. Uh, all races, all economic levels, all different backgrounds. And even though I was an attendant at a gas station, I somehow found myself being able to do the work there. And it started with talking the owners into purchasing organic food for people to buy on their food stamps. So these people who were low income, who had never walked into a health food store before because the prices were so prohibitory, they came in with their food stamps, and they were able to say, what is this thing in the refrigerator? What is this kale? What is this organic lasagna? What does that mean? And I got to talk to them about it. And what I found through that was every human being, regardless of class again, regardless of education, regardless of race, anything, everyone had this desire to learn how they could be better. And I don't mean better like there was something wrong with them, 
but they knew that there was something bigger in them that they hadn't tapped into yet. And no one had seen it in them before. So to have that position, to be able to shine that onto them was groundbreaking. And I became the guy at the corner store. And so people would come in, they would tell me their problems. I was smoking, I was a cigarette smoker at the time. I'd go out and smoke cigarettes with them. And this network of people just came in. And so this became a pattern for me. I moved to New York City. I worked, like I said, I worked at a macaroni and cheese store there. I worked at health food stores, yoga centers. I was a real estate agent. I was in housekeeping. I was an artist. I, I just, I worked everywhere. I delivered bread on a bicycle. I loved the experience of being able to try on different hats. I loved the human experience of investigating different people and different cultures and different economic situations. Me, myself, I was completely poor these these eight to nine years. I think I lived off of nine to twelve thousand dollars a year. Okay, take that in. Yet I managed to eat entirely organic all those years. I managed to enjoy acupuncture and massage and hypnotherapy and yoga. I had a very clear direction and focus about what I wanted. I never felt poor. I never felt broke because I was so enlivened by these people that I was experiencing. For me, I knew what my job was. My job was to create safety for people so they could heal and transform. And selfishly, I loved and love watching people heal and transform. So I had no interest in creating a career or creating an LLC or having a private practice or a title of the therapist. I just didn't care. Meanwhile, I was training. I was training so I could learn more and help more people. So this pattern of the guy at the health food store, the guy at the macaroni and cheese store, this real estate agent, no matter where I went, the identity was the same. Here's a guy who helps me feel safe and teaches me something about myself. So that led to me eventually and my wife moving to Woodstock, New York. And when we moved to the, the Woodstock, New York, I got a job at a grocery store, you know, like I tended to do. Now, one of those reasons I would work at health food stores is because you get a lot of free food. And remember, I was poor. So free food was uh, more of a benefit than a paycheck. So the paycheck paid for the bills and all the free food was what I ate. So I was working at this health food store and what was different here was I was in a small town, whereas everywhere else I was in a large city or I was in New York City. So word would spread, but it wasn't so insulated. And very quickly, word spread that I was this really great uh, nutritional counselor. Now I was working as a cashier. So they promoted me to the vitamin section and I worked in the vitamin department. And that was probably where it all started for me, how my career really began. I mean, it really began when I started working at the health food store when I was 16, 17. But this is where it, it took off. Because suddenly, I was able to work with all these people for free for them for hours. People could, you know, my employers allowed me to, people could come in and just talk to me. So I started developing this therapy style, which was a blend of how are you feeling? What is your history? How does your body hold that history? How does your body hold that feeling? What do you do with that feeling? Do you eat? Do you drink? After you eat and drink, what happens? 
And eventually, this holistic life navigation emerged. And it became very clear that everything we do in our lives, everything we've experienced, everything we think with our minds, shows up in our bodies. And conventionally, we isolate what shows up in our bodies, and we identify with that. I have eczema. I have cancer. I am schizophrenic. I am bipolar. I am depressed. And through that identification of this one isolated characteristic of our body or mind, we freeze that characteristic. We freeze that expression. So let's use a rash, for example. Someone says, I have a huge, I have a rash on my arm. Okay. The focus becomes the rash. So we go to um, dermatologists. We go to infectious disease experts. We Google for hours what rashes mean. And all we're doing is, is feeding the rash. We're identifying with it as the isolated occurrence. And we're forgetting anything that happened before it. Where were we when the rash first emerged? What happened three months before the rash first emerged? How does it feel when you see the rash on your arm? How do people look at you when they see the rash? Having the rash on your arm, that feeling that comes up when you see it, when have you felt that way before? Does this trigger anything from your childhood? What do you eat? What do you eat when the rash is there and you feel bad about yourself? How do you dress? This one rash, this one expression is a signal from the body of a multitude of, of information. Layers, years, lifetimes of information is coming through that rash. The body speaks what the mind cannot. And the body speaks through vibration and through sensation and through what we call symptoms. That's how the body uses its language, or rather that's the language of the body. So when we see a rash, well, I should say when I see a rash, that's the really the last thing I see. That's the signal, the bell, that invites me in to go deep into that human being's life and their body and their mind. And from there, we get in touch with unprocessed trauma, unconscious trauma, repressed memory, behavioral patterns, which means how we eat, how we talk, how we live, how we dress, how we walk, things we developed from childhood trauma. And this is important because the body is always speaking to us, always. When we learn how to hear it and we learn how to follow it and listen to it, we actually become more enlightened to ourselves through what our bodies are showing us. This was my breakthrough discovery as I was on my own healing journey and the journey of helping other people heal. And it collided with the moment I stepped into an office of a somatic therapy, uh, of a somatic therapist. And in that moment is when I discovered how I was carrying my unresolved, unprocessed, unconscious trauma around literally on my back and in my shoulders. And that's what I'm going to talk about next. So take a pause 
You just heard the first part of this episode, which is really about how I developed what I do. And see how it rings for you. What's going on in your body, in your mind, in your life? Does this make sense? Track your body while I speak, especially as I speak about this next part, which involves my own trauma, my own experience, my own suffering that led to this ability to help other people heal. See where you feel it. Be with yourself. And let's see what we can learn. So my own story is a very unique one. I was born in southern Pennsylvania, and I had been born with a condition known as intersex. There are many expressions of this condition. I don't even like to call it a condition. I like to just call it an expression. And for me, it expressed itself through the manufacturing of excessive estrogen. So I was born with little breast buds. And as I developed, eight, nine, ten years old, I started developing actual breast tissue and then breasts. So you have to imagine as a young boy how traumatizing that, that is because you can't hide that from people in gym class. You can't hide it uh, with a shirt. You can't really hide it from anybody. And it's a surprise because you look like a boy, but then you have breasts and these kind of strange wide hips and there's no word for it. There was no language. There was no term intersex. There were no terms uh, when I was born around, you know, chromosomal issues or genetic issues. The doctors actually said that I was overwhelmed by my mother's hormones and that it would go away. So when I hit a male puberty around age 12 and it didn't go away, I was just devastated. So I spent the first year kind of innocent, didn't really know that there was anything different about me because it was just my body and I knew it was strange, but I didn't think much about it. Then as my peers found out and people saw and you could see it through my shirt in school, I endured so much harassment and bullying. I was sexually assaulted on several occasions. I was, I felt so dehumanized. And it was to the point where I had to have a teacher escort me from classroom to classroom because it felt so unsafe just to walk from one classroom to another. So when people talk about misogyny, uh, I experienced that. I experienced the threat of the feminine coming through. And um, men had no tolerance for it. So all my friends were women. So I started to shut down. I started to experience um, just absolute terror all the time. I had PTSD. PTSD expressed itself through nervous tics and Tourette syndrome, which is what I was diagnosed with by a psychiatrist. And I was put on a heavy antipsychotic known as Haldol, which my mother uh, flushed down the toilet and forbid me to take. Thank you, mom. So I managed the symptoms best I could, but that Tourette syndrome and how it expressed itself just added to the bullying and hatred from my peers. 
I coped with all this stress by shutting down and overeating. And overeating led to high cholesterol. I gained 50 pounds. I was 50 pounds overweight. I was、uh, severely asthmatic. I had to be on a nebulizer machine just so I could breathe and take an inhaler. I had cystic acne, which I was on a very harsh medication for. And this was all happening to my body. And I was 13, 14, 15 years old. So, this is my really early、uh, teenage development, developmental years. And so, I developed in this body that just I wanted nothing to do with. My body to me equaled threat. I was going to be threatened. It was a threat to other people, it was a disgust to other people. So, I internalized that disgust myself. And I became disgusted with myself. And so I started disassociating from my body. I wore sweaters year round. I wore four different layers. I tried to bind my breasts with duct tape a couple times. I spent the next 10 years completely ignoring anything from my neck to my waist. And I survived that way. It's just all I knew how to do. My family around me, they forgot that I was born that way because I just didn't show them anymore and they were told I was going to grow out of it. So, to their mind, I was just an awkward teenager.、Uh, my friends didn't bring it up because I made new friends. I wore all black. I stopped talking. I essentially became invisible. So, no one could pick on me. I had nothing to be made fun of for. So, I just hid and hid and hid. And then one day, something very magical happened. I put a, C, a DVD that I was given for Christmas in the, the player, and it was a Joni Mitchell documentary. And something about watching her write songs and talk about her expression through songwriting lit a candle in me. I felt like I had found myself for the first time, or possibly again, maybe again. And This reconnection to myself felt so gooey and so sacred. And I remember walking into my bedroom and picking up my guitar and just strumming. I didn't know how to play. I wasn't even playing chords. I was just strumming it open. And words started coming, images started coming, feelings started coming. Traumatic experiences I had, I had numbed out were coming through lyrics. And I started just feeling this innocence again within me that I hadn't felt in so long. By this point, I, I had become quite suicidal,、um, which was another secret. I just didn't want to live. And before I had seriously attempted it, attempted suicide, I found this documentary. And thank goodness, because that. Reattachment to myself and my innocence was the beginning. Because in that moment, a very profound awakening occurred and a very profound wisdom occurred that helped me understand nobody's born bad, nobody's born evil, nobody's born、uh, unkind or, or racist or unloving. It's something that's learned. And it gets learned through your own trauma. Because I was so miserable from mine. And I didn't inflict it on others. I didn't have that in me. But I understood why other people did. 
in that moment, I understood the way I was treated, the things that were done to me, the things I had experienced at the hands of people I trusted and loved. That wasn't their fault. And what I mean when I say that is I don't condone their actions, and I do believe they're responsible for what they did. But to get to the point where you can turn off your heart and hurt somebody has to come from a deep wound. And when I say it's not their fault, what I mean is at their core, I believe they're innocent. And they're so confused and so full of fear that they rather hurt somebody else. So in that moment, I just got it. And everything changed for me. I started juicing. I started eating organic, vegan food. I started eating macrobiotic. I started taking supplements, drinking herbal teas. I lost the 50 pounds. All my acne went away. My asthma completely reversed. My cholesterol dropped. My body was healing so much. And even though all of my illness had dissolved, essentially, and the doctors had no clue why, but I did, what was left was this disassociation from my body. And the next 10 years, I would stay somewhat divided. One part of me being this loving, tender, therapist-like healer for people, and the other part of me being um, essentially a sex and a food addict, just compulsively using those two regulators to find safety in my body. Some of you might be thinking, well, how does someone with so much body shame have promiscuous sex? How does that become an addiction? It becomes an addiction for two reasons. Uh, one, I didn't have to get close to anybody and I didn't have to get naked with anybody. So I was able to maintain this distance from that part of my body, my chest, and I was able to maintain an emotional distance because I was too afraid someone would find out how disgusting I actually was. You know, this was the mindset I had. And these promiscuous experiences were meeting a need for me for touch, for co-regulation, for sexual satisfaction. A part of me had that need, but it wasn't integrated. It wasn't holistic. It wasn't fully conscious yet. So after, you know, a decade of binging on sex and on food, I met the love of my life. And she is now my wife. And this was 10 years ago. So what was really powerful about meeting Eamon Bell is she, she has this ability to see through anything. It's, it's a real gift. She saw right through my mask. She saw right through my persona. And she demanded an authentic person. And up until then, any of my friends or lovers or any relationships I had, they just enjoyed me as their therapist, as their friend, as someone who um, was there for them. Eamon wanted more. She wanted me. And I had never been called to give any of me to somebody, any substantial part of me to somebody. So as scary as it was, it was also my medicine, and I had so much shame about my body still that I went to a plastic surgeon and I got top surgery. And this was after I told Eamon about my body and about my life and about all my vices and about my mind. And she just didn't flinch, loved me through it all. 
but I still couldn't love myself enough. So my breasts were small enough to not leave substantial scarring, so you, you couldn't even tell the scars are well hidden. And though I emerged from that office with a new body and I looked like, um, I'm doing air quotes, a normal guy for the first time in my life, I was still carrying the belief that there was something wrong with me, the belief that I was deformed, the belief that I wasn't safe. And that became super clear to me five years after my surgery, when I went and had somatic therapy for the first time. I was called to do somatic work because a toothache had reminded my body of a previous traumatic experience that I had completely forgotten about. And I was amazed at how my body was waking up to memories based on sensation. So I found this therapist and I sat in her office and immediately it was apparent how I was still curling my shoulders to hide breasts that weren't there. I was still breathing really shallow. I was still clenching my jaw all the time. I was, I had debilitating migraine headaches. I had really bad posture. I had such a huge public social mask of being gregarious and being loud and being inviting to try to keep people away from ever seeing my body. This is what was happening unconsciously. So as I worked with her, I started very quickly dissolving these behavioral patterns. I started feeling my new body. I started exercising for the first time. I started walking around with my shirt off for the first time. I found this safety in myself that I had never felt in my entire life. And I came from a very loving household, so there wasn't abuse from my mother or father. My parents were incredible. I had a really beautiful foundation of um, aunts and grandparents and mom. Um, my father and I were very estranged growing up, but that changed in my teenage years and he's become my, one of my best friends. So I had this beautiful foundation of safety. And I want to say that because we think that we have to be in these abusive domestic situations to merge with such trauma. And we have to remember trauma is just the body storing threat response, not being able to release that. And for me, my body was my biggest threat. Because even though I was assaulted and bullied and I had a lot of relational trauma with different people at a young age, my body was still, for me, the trigger. I saw my body as the cause. If my body would have been normal, none of that would have happened to me. So I hated on it all the time. So when I emerged from this somatic therapy work, I was loving my body. I was learning what these sensations meant. I was becoming conscious if I was walking in a grocery store, if I was hunching and I would pull my shoulders back and I could remind myself that I'm safe, no one's gonna hurt me. And eventually the work just became so much a part of my own language and my own life that it just oozed into my private practice. Because at the time I was a counselor and I was working with mostly nutrition. So everyone was coming in from cancer to diabetes to weight gain, arthritis. But because I was, I now had language for this, this sensation of trauma, 
I was able to put two and two together and see how people's traumas were showing up in their eating habits. So this is how I came to this work. And then, of course, I, I did three years of training um, to become a somatic therapist. So this is how I've come to this work, is I had this journey of my own that was so painful and lonely and unique. I didn't know anyone else that experienced what I experienced. So I was very much alone in my pain for so long. And I learned that by being witnessed with love, by witnessing my own innocence, there was this foundation to really begin healing. And I was lucky enough to have the love, but I didn't believe I deserved it yet. So through the somatic work and through some self-inquiry, which I later learned through the work of Byron Katie, which everyone should listen to, that she has a, I mean, there's endless podcasts, um, through doing this work, I learned how to understand my mind and my ego, to not believe all of my thoughts about myself or other people. And I learned how to somatically be in the present, not the past and not the imagined future, but the present. And by doing that with nutrition, with all these modalities I've discussed, I've been able to live a really amazing life. And I, at this point, I would never regret an ounce or take back an ounce of my experience. That suffering, that pain, that physical, emotional pain and illness I went through was the greatest teacher and tool into empathy and into learning how to heal and help other people. And it's brought me to this moment to you, my first episode of my podcast, my way of serving for free, like I started out doing, so I can bring my own insights, insights of other people I admire, and even therapy clients, having people do therapy with me through the podcast, so we can all witness and be in a safe space of healing, in finding our innocence, and in making the unconscious conscious, so we're not driven by it anymore. That's freedom. And I believe we all deserve it. And I'm here to show you all the ways I know how to get it. So as always, before you go, take a breath. Feel your body. Notice your emotions. And take that awareness into your life. I want to thank you for sharing this space with me. For more information on my work or any events that I might be hosting, please visit holisticlifenavigation.com. And you can find me on Instagram or Facebook at Holistic Life Navigation. Did you know your food cravings are actually a doorway to your subconscious? They are. We tend to see cravings as something bad or something we just give into mindlessly. But when you embody your cravings, you're able to notice they're just blossoming from a certain place that has a certain need and needs your attention. Join me on Wednesday, May 29th, as I unpack this in a new webinar called Cravings Destigmatized. In this webinar, 
I'll help you learn the difference between a nutritional craving and an emotional craving, as well as how do we use cravings to get in touch with our unmet needs and any of our unconscious, unprocessed emotional experiences. It begins at 4 p.m. Eastern, and everyone who registers will get a replay. You can find the link in the episode details, and you can also go to www.holisticlifenavigation.com and click on events, and the information is right there. Hope to see you there.